Mr. Scott. What up? How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing great. Super <laughs> stoked to be here in the legendary transistor. A little den. Transistor sound den. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while since I've been in here. I feel like maybe the last time was when we did the Optimistics oh, yeah. record here. Probably back 2015, in, 16, maybe. Something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 It's like the... I was on that a little bit too, right? Yeah, dude, you recorded that was on that. Sick, bro, dude, yeah, the horn lines were were fat. Yeah, that was fun. I think we're still uh, in the process of still mixing that down. <laughs> I think <laughs> seven out, year record. Yeah, shout out Soldoc. <laughs> Eight he, years now, maybe. He hit us all up recently for the uh, for the ASCAP to. Oh yeah, I think he hit me up for that too. I think I have someone like BMI and someone ASCAP. Like, yeah, I don't know which one I use. I think it's ASCAP. Yeah, yeah, is there any like not- notable difference between not those really. like, two different royalty not really. spots or whatever? I think I have two, but I mainly use ASCAP. Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, that was a fun process, like getting to see the different ways like a song comes together. We had these songs that we had written in, then you come in the studio and uh it was really cool seeing you and Saul like put together these oh, yeah. parts and suddenly we're like, Oh Of course, I love Solly. Elevated all to another level and <laughs> I would, had Lex on that too on dude, drums and Le, dude talk Lex about on. like studio mode you know like, yeah. I feel like with drummers especially you like a drummer plays a certain way live but then you get him in the studio and all of a sudden it's like a whole different oh, of course. thing you know like of course studio magic yeah it's, I mean Lex is already a super saucy tight drummer but of course studio Lex was on his best behavior <laughs> He's always a pleasure, man. No, that guy's a fucking beast. Not to mention, like, one of just the most down and out, like, genuine bros. Oh, uh, yeah. Always comes through. With the, dude, <laughs> I love that guy so much. Of course. It's, uh, yeah, it was fun. And it was fun being in here and, like, just, uh, I know for me, like, it was, like, getting to do this album with, like, musicians that I really looked up to. And, you know, growing up, we were always, like, big monophonics fans and (laughs) kelly was like really good at uh i think like you know the producer role or the engineer role can take on like it's such a wide range of like how much do you provide guidance or or put how much do you want from me and how much do you want to lead the lead the charge but yeah of course and he really walked that that the line really well of like he said a couple things that were like really good pieces of of wisdom and really also just kind of let us sit back and do our thing and oh yeah he knows what he's doing it was fun man he's pretty good at making records he's i don't know you know he's you know he's got something of a successful (laughs) track record you know yeah it's it's been cool to see how it's it's grown too and like you guys have been doing a lot of a lot of different yeah different projects and working here over the over the years. Yeah, we just finished. We're finishing up uh, some stuff with Mike James Kirkland. I think I was telling you a little bit earlier about um, soul singer from back in the day. Like I think it was like late '60s, early '70s. Um, Monophonics is backing him up uh, on the whole record and something for uh, Ubiquity Records. And yeah, he's he's great. He's a legend that didn't quite reach like a crazy stardom but i think he used to play basketball with like marvin gay and all these guys like in la and stuff so he was like in the scene but he you know didn't quite hit that that stardom level that a lot of those other guys did but um i'm really stoked about how it's turning out we're 
kind of going down like a Delphonics kind of road mm-hmm. um, here and there. I mean, um, there's a lot of different influences, obviously, but um, yeah, that's a that's one of the projects that I really like that we're doing right now. It's that's interesting, like how I'm sure you're as you, I'm sure you're aware of, but just where we've gotten to with the internet and mm-hmm. and like niche, like the niche scene has grown so much. Yeah. That like even just being an artist that that maybe didn't reach like the mass appeal level yeah. back in the day. Of course. Like you you've been in the scene that there's a certain like sound that comes from just being alive then. Right. And there's an audience now for it and there's a way to connect with of course. the audience. And uh it allows Absolutely. for a lot of opportunities for I don't know, cool new collaborations, cool new projects. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys on Ubiquity? Is that your guys' label? Or? No, we did um, our first album when um, Kelly joined the band, and we kind of started driving into a different direction of more like songwriting as opposed to like the stuff we were doing before. It was like a little more like funk jazz kind of mm-hmm. um, acid jazz, whatever you want to call it. Um, that was, we did that album in your brain with, uh, Kelly on ubiquity, but everything since then has been either our own transistor sound records or, um, coal mine records. Okay. The coal mine is kind of what we're doing everything with now. Nice. They're out of, uh, Loveland, Ohio, which funny enough, it's where all my family lives. <laughs> so really? I, yeah. Okay. My cousins and aunt and they all live like. 15 minutes, 10 minutes away from coal mine headquarters, which is kind of crazy. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back there again soon um, in a couple months. And I'll be seeing family and playing some shows over in Cincinnati. Nice, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you today because, like, one of the things I love about getting to do this podcast and the, the conversations I've had on it is there's – these people that I've known for years in my life and have heard like stories secondhand, Mm. but this kind of creates a space, you know, to learn maybe some stories I've always wondered about. And I was always curious, you know, I've known you going back to high school days growing up with your brother. And of course I remember the blue Lotus era, you know, at max. I think I went to a show back in the day and, um, I just was curious, like the whole, that whole moment when, uh, you know, monophonics had been around for a while and, you know, then you have Kelly come in as this front man and it really did, you guys really did move into a new direction musically. Totally. Like what was that process like? What was that experience like of, of him coming on board? How did it all come about? Um, he actually was doing his own project called, uh, Dusterments. And he, um, I think, asked around for a good horn section, and someone recommended me and Alex, so monophonic horns. So we ended up going to, um, at the time, was his studio in Oakland, uh, Oakland or Berkeley or something in the East Bay. And we laid down some tracks with him for that and ended up um, parting ways with our previous keyboard player and were on our way to new orleans or about to go to new orleans and needed someone to jump in and i was like how about that guy we did that session for let's see what he's into you know so he jumped in for that and he actually started 
pretty much singing, I think, with us. Like, he kind of started learning really? how to do that. Yeah, I don't think he really did much of that um, before. So he, uh, we all just kind of grew together in that um, direction, and here we are now. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been cool. Like, you know, that in your brain album was like a huge record for me. I I really fell in love with that one and, um, definitely like is represents like a definite era in the soundtrack of my life. Uh, I had my like Cabriolet convertible. Nice. In my mid twenties, living in Fairfax, like blasting that, driving around. Oh, my ex girl had one of those. Yeah, dude, it's a fun car. You know? Yeah, that was the one with Bang Bang, and that kind of um, took us off. Wish we wrote that song. Yeah. it would have been a lot more wealthy. <laughs> right. But, but I think that uh, took off in Europe, and that's how uh, we got out to Europe. Um, the Europeans loved the Bang Bang, especially in Greece. Really, I have a huge following in Greece. Okay. Um, among other places, but um, yeah, Bang Bang was kind of the one that got us on the map from that record. What was that like going out to to Greece and suddenly, like, were you aware of how big it was before it was you got trip. out there? I mean, no, we didn't know much about it at all. I mean, you see pictures of like Santorini and all like the white stucco buildings and all. It looks amazing, obviously, and it is amazing out there. Um, but then you meet all the people there and they're such warm loving folks out there and obviously that place is gorgeous the landscape and everything and it's a definitely a destination spot so we uh we have a special um relationship with greece for sure remember seeing like back you know back when i think maybe after like your first or second tour out there just on facebook suddenly seeing a lot of like Malakalakalakis last names, you know. Yeah. Like suddenly, there's a new like you know. Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos, and and you see, start seeing new people commenting on things. Absolutely. Super funny, and yeah, yeah, it's been funny for me, you know, as I, uh, you know, moving out of out to the East Bay, and you know, became friends with the Honey Drops and all those guys. I love those guys. Yeah. And um, and then they, you know, them doing they they did a couple different sessions with with Mike. Mm-hmm. Kelly's father, Mike Finnegan. Right, that's right. And then it was like this cool connection. And um, I had to ask you, one of the things I really wanted to ask you today was, have you ever watched Cop Rock? Oh, no. I think we saw <laughs> like one episode or half of an episode. Have you seen Kelly Mike's episode? It to me. Yeah, it's Dude, hilarious. It's one of my favorite things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's pretty Dude. rad. Like, yeah, uh, you should probably check that out. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, it's a whole up. different ball game. Very like '80s, you know. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, I love the awesome. concept of just like you could. It's like total Hollywood producer concept. Of, totally. Like, We're gonna do an at the cop show. That's all. It's You're like gonna a be like a funky opera. cop <laughs> who sings and plays the Hammond organ oh, or whatever yeah. he was doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that, it's amazing. That was one. Me and my brother got a lot of. A lot of mileage out of uh, yeah, it was awesome. super fun and um yeah man so what what's going on right now with you guys you guys are about to do this session or you guys got any tours planned right in the future some touring coming up we kind of took a little we usually take a little break like january february every year um but yeah we're doing some stuff um up and down the west coast 
um, then move over to the east and doing stuff out there. And I think we might end in New York again and then just fly back home. But, um, yeah, we're doing some touring. And uh, like I said, we're finishing up that album with Mike James Kirkland. Um, we've been doing some stuff with the Sextones. Um, Kelly's producing their new record, which I believe is about to be released. Nice. Um, yeah, then we're always working on things um, in between our own stuff. We have some uh, new track with Kendra Morris coming out soon. Nice. Who I love a lot. She's an amazing singer. Is she local? Or? She's from Brooklyn, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Have you been doing more arranging as well in these, yeah, these yeah. different projects? A lot of uh, horns and strings. Um, either me, I'll, I mean, I'll do a little more rudimentary, mellow things, and then we bring in this guy, Lou King, uh, out of New York, who does these amazing string and horn arrangements and stuff. So he's kind of been our guy um, in the string world, at least. Okay. But he's been lacing us up. So anything that you've heard on the last two records, it's only us and uh, um, Sage Motel, and that was all Luke King doing the strings on. When you're when you sit down to arrange, is there like, are there particular uh, instruments that you like to build around? Like, what's your process like? Is there? It depends on the song. I yeah. mean, you know, it's that classic. Every song's different thing, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and it's not just me, too. I mean, Alex Backey, the other half of the monophonic horns, is um, usually with me. So we we kind of just do it together, um, feed off each other's ideas and stuff like that. And um, That's about it for that. Yeah. Yeah. When you uh, – I'm also curious, like, because I know another big kind of hinge point in the monophonic story was when you guys linked up with Ben Leoncol. Ben Lunkle-Soul. Ben Lunkle-Soul, I never say it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah how did that all come about? He, um, I think, heard In Your Brain, the record, and um, came to see us in Paris, and that's where he lives. And, uh, yeah, I think he I think he thought we were a bunch of, like, older black guys or something, <laughs> which isn't the first time that's happened. And he uh, wanted, like, a new band to back him up kind of thing, New Direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came to our show and saw that we weren't <laughs> a bunch of young white dudes yeah. from Northern California. Um, but yeah, we, we got along perfectly, like right off the bat and started writing. We had him come out here to the studio and, um, started just writing songs and he brought his two singers, um, with him and, uh, yeah, we just kind of started making some magic together and. Um, did the album with him a coup de rev? Yeah. He's he's history. amazing. We did a lot of touring with him. Yeah, with Ben. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of you guys at all these big like European oh, yeah. cathedral type. Yeah, old theaters. Yeah, he actually helped us get a lot of good new fans in Europe. We did one show at this festival. I think it was like thirty thousand people in front of you, something like that. That, that was wild, yeah. That was definitely a rush. You usually don't, after you've done this for so long, you don't really get nervous anymore. But mm-hmm. at that point, I think I remember getting on stage like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of people out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy, that, but. Was that outdoor, outdoor kind of festival thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a big outdoor festival. 
Yeah, that was the last time I could remember being actually nervous. That and the Apollo. I was a little nervous for the Apollo. Yeah, you're telling me you had your, uh, you got your moment in little, at the Apollo. A little solo yeah. moment, yeah. Probably could have played a little better, but they, they seemed to like it. They didn't pull the hook out and rip me off stage, so yeah. I think I was all right. How big, how big of a theater is that? How many people are at the Apollo? It's you not know? that big. It's not as big as you would think. Probably 1,500 people maybe or maybe 2,000. Yeah. Is there like a, what do you think like the ideal size is for live music of like a venue? Like, is there like a depends. Specific... Also depends on the room, the venue, yeah. you know. But um, like a lot of those little little clubs are really fun, you know. Mm-hmm. You got people pressed up against the stage just dancing and sweating. I always kind of like that vibe. I mean, sometimes those big theaters can be a little stuffy and a little awkward and Especially if people are sitting down, I hate that. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of like the, uh, you know, three to five hundred area. You know, so it's just big enough to have some room, but it's also intimate enough to kind of connect with the audience and stuff. You still get that energy of like the yeah. Like there's a good sized group of people listening. But yeah, you can feed off the audience a lot better when it, people are just right up next to you. You know. And, sweating all over my pedal board and yeah. dropping beers and stuff on me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Got it. That's a little bit of rays on the stage. Yeah, right? a yeah. Bit of separation. A little bit. I know. I think about that sometimes, like, like I'll get in, you know, like a few years ago, I really got into Anderson Pack. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, like, I probably would never have the opportunity to see this guy at, like, a 300-person venue or, like, a sweet water. Or like, you know, like, yeah. but thinking about, like, how – how good that show must be when you get to be in that intimate space. That's not oh, yeah. like a stadium sound rig where there's weird right. acoustics and, you know, you actually can hear everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, set up yeah I like, like the intimate, the intimate vibe a lot. They say a lot, of, a lot of the comics, a lot of the comedians talk about that too. I like that. 300 is kind of like the magic number. Yeah. Three, three to 500. I like that. And I was working um, at Sweetwater in between tours uh, over here in Mill Valley. You mm-hmm. obviously know about. Um, and that's, I think, 300 is our cap there. And it's a perfect little number. I like that. Not to mention that sound system is just like Oh, yeah. They, carried. they dialed that in. Michael Wilson, He's he knows what he's doing. They dialed that in real nice. Yeah. Nice Myers monitors and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that your Is that your guys' uh... Like when you come through the bay, like is that your favorite venue to play at? Or you guys? Yeah, it's kind of our home base. It seems like at least for Marin County, Um, we might actually be playing another nice intimate venue in Fairfax, Perry soon. Uh, Oh yeah, you guys gonna? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. We're in the works about that. So Cordy's been hounding you. Yeah, (laughs) you don't have to push me too much because I I love Fairfax. We all grew up, or at least most of us grew up playing there, and yeah, kind of coming up in our. musical you know careers and stuff playing there and either that or we like to play the independent in in san francisco which is a great venue that place always sounds good love the people there yeah they They always do a great job they did a great job with fixing up perry's too it looks gorgeous oh it sounds amazing sounds better than it ever has oh yeah it's like a real like little music venue yeah yeah they did a great job there it's always like a also just like the vibe is always super good in there yeah 
wholesome almost, I would say. Totally. <laughs> and you got the hometown people, you know, and the folks, hometown folks there supporting you. So Sure. Always a good time at Perry's. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we talk Warriors? Sure. Let's talk Warriors. Talk Warriors all day. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, what do you think, you know, Tough, tough end of the season. I'm still processing it. I actually didn't even get to watch the last game because I had a shoot video shoot that night. But it was like, you know, for a second, I was like, maybe I can watch it delayed, but also prepared that it was going to be spoiled. And like, yeah, sure enough, on my way to the shoot, it's like I'm getting texts like, we'll get it next it. year. <laughs> you know, like, Almost had it. Yeah. Just like a lot of I just know. like dot, dot, dots. And, you yeah. Know, um it was but, a tough season this yeah. year i mean we uh some of our guys kind of didn't come through as much as they did the previous season so um it was kind of a let down i mean we had that terrible road win problem mm-hmm. i think we were the worst road team or the worst road record or something in the nba and the best home record and the best home record <laughs> really good at home yeah not so good on the road but uh you know, I'm a ride or die fan of the Warriors, so I'm, I know they'll be there next year and they'll be contending for another ring again. For sure. Yeah, this has got to keep Draymond on his good behavior. and Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to a certain extent, I feel like. Still got to have the, uh, yeah, every team needs a Draymond. You totally. Know? And, you you know, it, it only takes a couple sleepy Wiggins games before you're like, yeah. all right, Draymond, can you, like, get a tech or hit someone? Can you get us going something? here? Yeah. <laughs> Kick someone in the balls, maybe. Yeah. I, I felt like, you know, by the end, I was this, especially after the Sacramento series, like with all the ups and downs, I got to this place where I was like almost I had this like fatigue. Like mm-hmm. it was almost a relief, you know, just not to have to go through it again and again. And I hate yeah. losing to the Lakers. I hate losing to LeBron. Of course. But, uh, but, you know, the, the other thing that I try to remind people, especially people that are, you know, just came into the fan base in the last decade, mm-hmm. you know, me being a, a Marin Bay area guy grew up rooting for the warriors. Remember the Larry Hughes era and oh, yeah. Donald Foyle and, run TMC. Yeah. That was maybe that even a little before my, you know, I was cognizant of it, but I was, you know, I was a little kid, but oh, we were all little kids. Yeah. That. That was the Jay Rich and all that stuff, man. I think I had, I think I might have had a Mullen jersey and my brother had a Weber jersey, like yeah. hand-me-downs back in the day. I had the uh, the Chris Weber um, shoes, like the weird little teardrops. Okay. I think Fila made them. Nice. Back when Fila was still a thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I used to love that. Uh, that era was classic. And then I kind of got back into it. Um the We Believe season mm-hmm. yeah, where Baron, Baron Davis. Davis had that dunk over Karolinko and it was a big upset. I think we were the eighth seed or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was down in Santa Barbara during that time and I remember watching in the like in the dorm like kitchen or uh the cafeteria they had a TV set up and nice. You know, Santa Barbara is such like a it's like such an almost neutral ground. Yeah. You get like it's almost like half the town is like half of Isla Vista is like from NorCal and half's from SoCal. Uh, yeah. Everyone just argues about what's better. Yeah. And uh so it was like 
all of the NorCal bros, we all like kind of took over the cafeteria and it was nice. getting super loud and rambunctious. And... Pushing out all the Laker fans. And... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think I, I still have it. My, you know, my older brother Chester shout out, uh, hooked me up with his old Latrell Sprewell nice. Warriors jersey that I, you know, I've kind of built out my collection over this era. I think I have like seven or eight now, but oh, wow. that was the Look first one was the, was the Sprewell. Sprewell. Uh, I think the, I think the last name's almost worn off the back. Wow. But, uh, Got some uh, wear and tear. Yeah. There. Yeah. A lot of pickup <laughs> games in that thing. A lot of trips through the washing machine. Yeah, I have a faded uh, Curry jersey. It was right when we changed the logo okay. to the Brit to the Bay Bridge. Yeah, and my girl at the time got it for me. I've it still has like the actual stitching before they just nice. ironed it on. Now. Yeah, so those jerseys are kind of cheap now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I have a Curry jersey, and then I have a Iguodala jersey. He nice. actually just retired. Dude, I just saw him on my block. Like what? Like a month ago. No shit. Because my I have a my neighbor across the street used to play for the Sixers and he went to Air it was at Arizona. Uh, yeah. Today is that where Iguodala went? Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, they were both went to to Arizona and their friends and so I was like getting out of my car one day and I like look o- across the street at the at his steps and I'm like I think that's Andre Iguodala what? coming down the stairs and then like I would have flipped out. There's like a tree in between like right when he got to my eye level, it was like behind the tree. So it, like <laughs> We didn't get that moment. Otherwise, I would have been like, you the man, Andre. You know? <laughs> By the time I came around, he was like already in his Tesla, like pulling away. And I was like, damn. He's a dude. Tesla guy. He had a Tesla. And I was a little like. He's a smart dude. I can mm, see him being a Tesla guy. Exactly. But, I don't know uh, why that means you're smart. but <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't drive like it too often. But yeah, I realized lately I have like a pretty strong Tesla bias when I'm on the road. Like I see a te- you know. It could be the same move that another driver does, but I'm like, of course it's a Tesla. Fucking you know? Teslas. Yeah. Fucking Teslas. Like, yeah, my dad has one of those. They're so fun to drive, though. I've never driven one, but I can imagine. Oh, the pickup. It's just like, <laughs> Have you gunned it in it? Fa- oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting on the freeway is so fun. You're just like at 60 miles an yeah. hour. Like, I think it's like 3.6 seconds. Damn. It's like the fastest Kicks production you back car. Into your chair. Yeah. Yeah. What, it, I think what it model beats, does it beats have? a Porsche. I think it's the, it's S the or C or I can't remember. It's, it's like the sporty the... like four door. Okay. Yeah. Sedan. Yeah. Nice. It's fun though. It's fun to drive. I was thinking about that on the way out because I have this thing that I like to do. I call it active driving. Mm-hmm. If I'm going on a road trip or pretty much any time, I have this theory that like, you know, they always say like, don't speed. But I actually think that, like, when I drive fast, I'm, like, way more engaged mm-hmm. on the road. When yeah. I'm just cruising, you kind of, like, fade, and the next thing you know, you're, like... Autopilot vibe. 30 miles down the road, and you're, like, I don't even remember making a single decision. <laughs> yeah. But I will do this thing where I'm, like, constantly... It's like a video game, and I'm, like, very much dialed into the car yeah and moving and well, if you're going fast you want to totally be on top of your shit yeah and you know there's a level where it gets reckless that i kind of don't i stay behind but right especially in the east bay like if you're driving slow a lot of times it's like more dangerous because your people are weaving around you and oh, there's yeah. like the speed of traffic and i was just you know on the way out in my scraper toyota and i'm just like man 
Someday I want to get a muscle car and Someday just I'll experience, graduate. you know, what yeah. this is like, having some push, you know. I always wanted uh, the 69 Chevelle Super that, yeah. Sport. That's that was a, my, that's dream my dream car. car yeah. yeah. I love those. I remember the this dude, shout out Frankie Bourne, had like a, I don't know if it was a 69 or like a 71, but he had like a beautiful, like cherried out. Oh, yeah maroon or burgundy chevelle mm. and you just turn that thing on and it's just got that like just serious america serious <laughs> machinery absolutely super nice i always uh, wanted one of those i was yeah i always felt like if i was at that point where i could afford to have a uh like a ridiculously inefficient vehicle <laughs> it's gonna be like muscle car over luxury you yeah know? yeah you know Especially these days with gas prices. Insane. Just have one of those to throw all your money into. Yeah. Um, what do you think about uh, – I wanted to get into like – you know, do you think the the Warriors are going to be making any roster changes this year? Or like are, are yeah. there any trades that you see that you think would, that you're excited about potentially? It's um, a good question. I mean I've been looking online and kind of seeing other people's takes on it. Um, a lot of people are kind of mad at Jordan Poole right now. Of course. My, myself included. I was a little <laughs> mad too. I don't want to trash the man too hard because last season he helped us get that ring mm -hmm. like tenfold. I mean, he was helped us win a lot of those games we probably would have lost without him. So Until the finals. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, he, you know, he was a little uh, absent this last playoff run, so. Um, I could see him maybe getting traded or I don't know. They didn't use Kaminga at all in the playoffs, and I'm wondering if they're going to hang on to him or not. Um, Andre Iguodala just retired. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about that. but Heard that. Um, so that, that definitely frees up one spot. Hopefully they'll make him like a coach or something. I think that'd be He's basically been doing that the last two or three seasons anyway. Coaching and the sidelines. His yeah. fashion line or whatever. Yeah, right. You know, with this, the fuzzy sweater. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see maybe them making a move with him, but I'd like to keep him personally. And, I mean, he was doing some Steph Curry-esque kind of stuff uh, last season mm -hmm. to the point where it's like I think we should give him another chance, at least one more season. And we could uh, help him develop a little more. And he's still really young, you know, so. Totally. And you got Wiggins, you know, he's been developing very nicely. Uh, Looney, out of nowhere, MVP. became like one of the best yeah. centers in the NBA. I was like, what? Averaging like 12 or 13 boards a game, I think, for like the last half of the season. and Definitely the playoffs. So best best contract, like best deal in the NBA right yeah. now. I think is, is when is his contract up? You know, I think we still he's still got a couple years on it, and they're paying him like ten, I think, or mm -hmm. or less. Okay, and he's playing like twenty five million dollar more. player oh, yeah. or something. At you least know? he's. I mean, I love Looney. That was you know every season I like Loon. to get. I get a jersey in the in the playoffs, and that was the one I got this year. It was a yeah. Loon jersey. Yeah, that's my, awesome. My Chinese I get a Loon jersey. It's the one I feel like you know in five or six years when you go to the game, 
It's like that's the one that shows you're a real one, you know? Yeah. You're like I got the oh, you got the Looney jersey. Yeah, the Looney oh, jersey. This guy knows the team, man. I would wear my Iggy jersey to the games, and people would be like, "Yo, you got an Iggy jersey, bro?" And I'm like, "Yeah, showing the showing the realness." Of, in the sea of Curry's, you know, you yeah, gotta stand of out. But uh, I could see Draymond has been an issue. Obviously, you could talk about that all day. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, I mean, like we were saying earlier, you need a Draymond. Every team needs that. Kind of junkyard dog vibe. Especially this team. Yeah. I think like without Draymond, things everyone can get a little milk polite. toast yeah, exactly. and like everyone's so like nice and after you, you know, it's yeah. like a little Canadian maybe, you know. Right, so like right. I think Draymond, like this year to me at least, really like showed his value. Oh yeah. In the contract year and, and those last few games even too. Just he wa- he cares. Yeah. And that was like an issue that they talked about this season was like, these guys kind of did it. Mm-hmm. They've got four. They proved right. to everyone last year. We can still, we can still win. Mm-hmm. But at times this season, like people looked like they were complacent and, you know, yeah. having Draymond there keeps, keeps everybody a little bit honest, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he had that whole run in with Jordan Poole where he socked him in the face. <laughs> Which was on, honestly pretty funny to yeah, me. I thought yeah. that shit was hilarious. But I, I had that poor Bill, Jordan, that Bill Burr line in my in my head of like, what he say? What he say? What he say? What did What did Jordan Poole say? Yeah, probably isn't a lot to set Draymond off. Mm-hmm. He's a hothead, obviously. I hope they don't move him. I mean, he's the core. You know, he's definitely in the core three. Totally. I'd like to say Looney is a core member now, too. The core four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Draymond's going to be a free agent um, this next season, so or at the end of this. so He's got the opt-in this year. Yeah, the player option, yeah. And so far, all the messaging from the Warriors, you know, pretty much starting the night they got knocked out has been about how the core will be coming back. Right. From, like... You know, I listened to a couple interviews with Steve Kerr, and he was pretty emphatic. Like, we want yeah. all these guys back. Yeah, Draymond on his podcast, like an hour after the game, was talking about how he wants to end his career in the yeah, day. He's, yeah, right in with the same guys you, you know, totally right out with the same guys you rode in with. I think Jordan Poole. You know, I was kind of out on him in February. Like, I was yeah. already yelling. I, I was actually today thinking back to the the finals last year and already I was kind of starting to get annoyed a little yeah. bit just, and I was trying at first I wasn't really aware of it. Cause I also remember being like, Oh, we got pool. Like he's about to be like the superstar and yeah, me too. seeing all the upside. But I think what kind of got under my skin and maybe, you know, under the Bay at large was just like the attitude, mm-hmm. uh, like almost like, I'm now a splash bro. A little cocky. A little cocky. What you want? You want some of that, but you, you want uh yeah. You you want um you want him to believe in himself. Totally. But uh yeah, there's a fine line, obviously. And and this season, my takeaway, you know, I think he's an incredible talent. Absolutely. I think he's got a lot of potential for the yeah. future. But after watching like, you know, all these games this season, it became really clear to me that he didn't really fit in the system. Yeah. And like the classic warrior system, like pre KD, my favorite season, 
mm-hmm. the season before KD came that we got the, the first oh, yeah. ring. Yeah. It was like the most compelling basketball because yeah. these guys were playing as a team. Right. Like, to me, that's Steph's greatness. You didn't have that bring in the superstars from yeah. the other team vibe. No. Create a super team. We had our super team that we developed. Exactly. You know. And they developed together. Like even Steph, who is one of the one of the goats of right. all time. Of course. He he's I think the only reason he isn't more in that in that conversation is because he's really sunk into the team play rather mm-hmm. than being like, I'm gonna get mine, I'm right. do the James Harden thing or the LeBron right. thing. Like you saw him deferring and like bringing everybody up. Right. You know, which is the most MVP thing totally. you can do and the most goat like behavior in my mind because it's not all about you. It's not about like doing like ISO game. Mm-hmm. It's all about like getting your dimes, you know, and like bringing everyone else into the to the play uh, to win together, as opposed to just trying to you know Kobe it and just not pass the ball or you know whatever. No guff to Kobe. Oh yeah. You know, but R.I.P. Uh, Rhymes with yeah. my name. I've always had love for him for that. Absolutely, fact. <laughs> dude's amazing. Yeah, and you know I think that Kerr. You know, you you have this tradition kind of dating back to Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, with the triangle offense. And yeah, you see that, you know, I really saw it was like watching a team that was embodying like all the coaching lessons that I had heard from coaches like coming up pirate camp. And, oh yeah, you know, it was like, oh, these guys are just like passing a lot and, and yeah. then like getting these really good opportunities. And especially that first season, like you would see these super teams that they would go up against and they just couldn't crumble. Yeah. They just couldn't defeat because well, there's five have, guys playing. Together, yeah. You, you have know? too many egos and you can't, you know, gel when everyone wants to be the guy. You sure. know? That's why I love the Warriors so much is it's on another level is because they just have that camaraderie and being in a band. It's the same kind of thing. It's, you can apply that stuff uh, the same way. It's, yeah, who's the Draymond Green in the monophonics? I think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually talked about that yeah. before. Who's gone to jail the most? <laughs> Who gets in fights? No, I don't do that anymore. But yeah. I used to you're be a lot more ruckus when yeah, I was a little enforcer. younger. Yeah, I was the enforcer maybe a little bit. <laughs> Dude, every band needs an enforcer now. Everybody needs a Draymond, yeah, you know? exactly. I got to do it. So then who's the clay? I always like to say uh, Austin is the Clay Thompson. That, I the see quiet, that. that. The tracks. quiet, soft-spoken, yeah. quiet riot, you know. Uh-huh. Still throws down super hard, though, just because he doesn't, you know, he's not a big, noisy dude, but, yeah. No, I mean, he's got such a – he's got one of my favorite pockets. Oh, yeah. Just the – The big I, beat. Yeah, the big beat. Big beat and the, You know, it's also, a, you know, a credit to – your guys' talents as a recording band, mm. the drums are just always so well yeah. recorded on all this. He's songs. a huge part of the sound of, of Monophonics is Austin's big fucking drum sound. Yeah, One of the originals too, right? He goes back. He, he is goes, the original, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think me and him are the only two like original, original guys from the very start. From the Blue Lotus days? Yeah. Well, actually, he wasn't in Blue Lotus. That was uh, another guy named Shiloh. But um, that kind of morphed into 
It was Blue Lotus and this other band, Grotho, that Grotho. Austin was in. Okay. Yeah. And we kind of merged those, and that's when we did that with Austin. But, did that know. take place in San Francisco? I guess you'd say Marin. Marin. Yeah. I think we started the first gig. Because it used to be called the Monophonic Orchestra. Okay. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. And uh, people would be real pissed off trying to put that all in the marquee. <laughs> it's a lot so, of letters. It's a lot of letters. <laughs> so we shortened it just to monophonics. But, um, yeah, me and Austin are the two originals now. Was that a fierce debate about whether or not to put the at the beginning? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a fierce debate, but, yeah, I, I liked the because it's kind of classic. The, yeah. The Delphonics or, mm-hmm. you know, the something, something, but. Um, I think it's just monophonics. I noticed that today on the Spotify. I mean, I just don't care anymore. People I think say I the. put the on the front yeah. like every time. I doesn't repeat. matter. It's an implied the. Yeah. You can, you can say it however you want. I don't, I don't care. Monophonics, the monophonics. I, know, I remember when we were choosing the, the name for the optimistics, there was already an optimistic or optimistics. There was a the optimistics. Oh, I didn't know that. And one of them was like a reggae band, and one of them was like all like a soul band. But they oh, cool. all they did was covers. Okay. So we're like, all right, like we got this. Yeah, we're like, let's competition engage. You know, it's like who can who can claim the name or whatever. Yeah, we had a we had that problem. There was a the monophonics in um, somewhere in Britain, and they uh, they were the same kind of thing, just cover band. I th- Thing. Or no, I think they have, I think it was mostly covers, but they did some originals, blah, 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 whatever. But they'd play like maybe once or twice a year. And we were trying to get the domain name from them. So we had to like, I think we bought it off them or something like that. Okay. We're like, yo, man, you guys don't really do anything. Can we, we're like touring the world. Can we, right, can we right. have this please? So we finally got it. But yeah, like I, we had to I, buy it off them or something. I went through that. I mean, I didn't buy it, but. When I went, tried to make an Instagram for my videography, like Hobart Media, mm-hmm. there's this, like, damn Australian guy. Oh, really? And, yeah, Hobart Media, and he doesn't do anything. Really? I haven't reached out to him yet. I just he still like, owns it, though? You don't You don't have it? I don't have it, yeah, no. yeah. I think I have the Hobart Media. Okay, well. The, same thing. Yeah. The. <laughs> Get away with it. It's you fine. Get away with it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my biggest like takeaway about you know pool this season was just like I have a lot of respect for his ethic and his talent and the way that he like worked to get himself out of the G League and ended Absolutely. up being such an asset. But I don't. I haven't seen like I haven't seen him fat like fit himself into the Warrior system. Right. And I think if you know, if this season, if he had been able to keep his head down and really become a role player, mm-hmm. he would be the most celebrated guy in the Bay. Absolutely. And, I mean, the turnovers and yeah, the, uh, you know, taking your time with the ball. Because sometimes I would just be yelling at the TV, like, <laughs> plenty of seconds yeah, left on the shot yeah. clock. Like, why are you taking that crazy-ass shot, forcing yeah. shots? Like, 15 on the clock. Doing crazy, like, behind-the-back passes and then another turnover and it's mm-hmm. like you don't got to do all that stuff bro just, just take it easy take your time you know and the moments where move the ball around take yeah. care of the rock and the moments where 
they the where he showed patience and took a shot in rhythm, he can finish and he can do it and yeah. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. That was the thing for me. And then also at the end of the season, just the pouting like really got to yeah. me. It was like kind of the icing on the cake where I was like, all right, dude, like, you know, you see like a Moses Moody. Yeah. It was like the epitome of all the, what coach doesn't love that. You of know? course. Does that interview talks about how he's like, you know, I came to the Warriors to learn. I could have stayed in college. Coach's dream. Yeah. Just yeah. like, and, and then. Ready to do anything that you need. Totally. Yeah. And you see him, he he found his way back onto the to the lineup. Dude, and he was actually crucial for a lot of those um, playoff games. Like he would come in, and he had maybe five six minutes, but he was efficient for those minutes. I mean, he was doing a lot of good stuff. I feel like him. And I like to keep him around. Personally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we don't trade him. I, don't I lose think him he's going to be like. A really solid, important yeah. piece. Yeah, good role player. You know, Kaminga too. Like, I know Kaminga also kind of got pouty at monster. the end there. But I think, like, you know, my dream is, like, we trade pool. We bring in some pieces to help. I still believe in the core three. I think these guys can still win. And we just need to find them, like, those Livingston-type players who are going to be yeah. able to. I like to have a nice, tall, big as well maybe take a little uh heat off loon so mm -hmm. he has a little more help because we always have been a traditionally small ball kind of squad so i think it'd be good to have a little more height to go up against the carl anthony towns and all those guys you know totally yeah Jokic I mean, is obviously a huge problem but we, you know, we wore them out last time with the with the fast pace. And Absolutely, I mean, I some of those guys you just run circles around them. Yeah, and that was kind of the. I was hoping we'd get to face Denver again because I felt like we had yeah. an answer. I think with the, uh, if we're gonna get a tall guy, he needs to be able to score, and because that was a big factor this year. You know, having Draymond and. Looney, who are both amazing players, but neither of them are like these scoring big men. Yeah. Um. I think the most compelling trade that I heard that I've heard so far was uh, they were talking about it would be like Wiggins, Poole, and maybe Kaminga for um, Brogdon and uh -huh. Jalen Brown on the Ooh, Celtics. that could be cool. Which I love Jalen Brown. He's someone that I Doesn't think. Doesn't have that height, but still. But he's, he can fit. He's like one of those guys that'll put it on his back and finish. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. mid range. That's was what, he deploy one year? No. Has he what? been defensive player of the year before? No. Maybe not. Uh, maybe. Jalen Brown? I don't know. Maybe I not. I don't know. But I was just, looking. I really like Nerland's Noel. Yeah. I thought he'd be good and he can shoot. You where know, is, one where of those is he? kind of guys. Does he play for. Not Philly. I can't remember who he plays for off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, tall, can shoot. So anything that would spread the floor, yeah, you know, when you have a center that you have to worry about at the three-point line, that's perfect. Opens things Open up. Open that whole paint area, you know. We both wanted Jay Crowder, and I was, like, really hoping at the all-star break. I uh, saw him, Everyone that he was, him. like, available and... I was like, man, let's just do whatever it takes. Like, <laughs> I was, I was hoping I'd just pull up my social media, blah blah blah, and just see signing. Jay see Crowder. him in a Warriors uniform. That'd be amazing. Yeah, he, you know that, that's the type of dude where it's like, 
I just wanted to see like what him and Draymond would look like as far as a defensive. Oh yeah, you know tag That'd team, and then yeah. on the offensive end as well, you know yeah. attacking it and all that. They'd be tough together. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know if they do all stay, you know, I'd like to see. I was thinking like, what could Jordan Poole do to like find his way back into my heart? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is even possible in the current era, but like. I think he has a real opportunity in the off season to like, he could pull the Michael Jordan move and just not take a vacation yeah. and just like hit the gym, there you get go. bigger and Bulk then do like defensive stri- stance drills every yeah. day and like develop a defensive game. Do like a Wiggins two way vibe. Yeah. Come and back and be a defender. Yeah. Exa- I mean that, that was the biggest thing for me and zero defense. I find it hard yeah. to, yeah, I find it hard to respect a player that, doesn't have any yeah. defensive game because as a as a little man myself, yeah, I styled myself. Uh, you know, defense was why I would get on the court and being a menace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just I, I I was so surprised, I guess, flabbergasted that like I don't see how you can make it to the league without, without being that. a defensive player, yeah. like at least a little bit. Yeah, that's why I love uh, dude Dante Divincenzo. Oh, dude, was amazing. Restaurant quality, man. Not to mention GP two Gary yeah, Payton, my favorite player on the team. Man, yeah. I love those two. Were amazing. And talk about hustle. Those guys hustled their asses off the whole time. And that that would change the tenor of the game. You know, suddenly you have a, a steal or oh, and Dante's knocking down threes. You know, GP's doing. I love when they would set him up with those those oops, mm-hmm. and that would like. You know, he'd scratch his head, yeah. piss, piss people off. The whole team's, like, laughing. Like, maybe they loosen up a little bit. They start totally. playing better, you know? And he was, Sometimes I mean, just GP, need a morale boost like that. GP2 really bought into Kerr's system last year, especially. Oh, yeah. And, like, he was someone that, like, came in and was like, got it. Like, yeah. I'm going to come in for 15 minutes. Especially out of the G League. You're totally. like, I want to be in the NBA, not in the G League, so... I'm going to do whatever it takes to to solidify my spot. But, yeah, he was amazing. I heard an interview with him on, you know, on Chat Out Willard and Dibs on the radio, my favorite sports talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were interviewing him about his big dunk on LeBron. In, oh, yeah. In the, uh, was it game one or game two, I think? Yeah, and, it was amazing. Uh, afterward, they were like, they kind of were interviewing him. They're like, yeah, so, like, take us to that moment. Like, mm-hmm. were you, like, you know, you had kind of had this look on your face, like I just dunked on LeBron James. Yeah, and at first he was, king. yeah, at first he was like being real respectful, but then at the end he was like, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny. Like, he yeah, may have gone something like that. Yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. They were like, because uh, it cut right after that. I don't know if you remember, but it cut to to senior to to his dad, Gary Payton, and. He just had this mean mug on his face. <laughs> yeah, 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 just like that. He's, I've never seen Dad's him smile. Dad's very happy with his son's I've never uh, seen him smile in a single time they go to him. cat. He always looks heated. Yeah. And he was like, it, it was funny because like, I was always like, man, he must have been such a tough dad to tough grow pops, up with. Tough pops, yeah, probably. You know? oh, but then in every interview, like, GP2's just like, ah, oh, nah, like, yeah. he was just mad because we were down. Like, it, right. he doesn't even seem like affected by it very much yeah. or whatever you know i know i backed that up several times like my tv <laughs> i was like damn this is hilarious yeah. look at his dad so good i was thinking about i was thinking about gary payton too and like 
how difficult it, it must be to be a star of that caliber mm-hmm. who whose team doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, like you think about like any of these players who are greats yeah. can go back to their stadium. They're going to get on the Jumbotron. They're going to yeah. get the shout out and the love. Of course. They're going to be interviewed. He doesn't have like a home. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. all the work that comes from, oh, you can be a sportscaster. Or, you know, it's like this right. economy that continues. Right. But the, what is he going to go to OKC? Like nobody yeah. knows him as an OKC player. No, of course. And I, you know, I always think about that. Like, I wonder if he's a little bitter that the Sonics aren't around anymore. Of course. I mean, I would be. Still. Him and, like, Sean Kemp. Yep. Oh, man, I used to love him back in the day. He was fun to watch. Sean Kemp. Those guys were tough. Was he a center? Or was he, like, a, uh, I want to say power, like a forward? power forward, maybe more. I think he was more of a power forward, but definitely took on both roles a yeah. lot, especially defensively, I think. Remember my brother got the... The Peyton, I think there were the twos, the glove. They were like those shoes that had the like weird sleeve with the zipper on it. Totally. Those yeah. things were sick. I think I had one of those. Yeah. I, think I had a pair of those. Yeah. Dude, the 90s shoes, man. We... Like the mesh covering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was actually suede. It was, was like it green suede. suede oh, okay. Yeah. With maybe there's mesh on the inside. I could be thinking of another shoe, but yeah. Like the zip up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was the one that had like the weird little like holes pattern on yeah. the outside. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Like very classy. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially for a basketball shoe. I feel like the the '90s shoe era. I I, I want to do almost. I have like this dream. It'd be tight to do like a uh, like a YouTube channel that's just like appreciation of all those shoes that weren't the Jordans. Yeah. Because like the Jordans get so much talk. Oh, I know. I used. To, I actually been. I'm a shoe head now, and I just bought like. Th- three pairs of jordan fours nice um which ones were the fours uh it's like the little bubble like the air kind of had the air max vibe mm-hmm. a little bubble on the on the sole or whatever but um i really been starting to buy those reeboks okay like kind of look like the air force ones a little bit okay in, like in between kind of like these but in between like an air force one and like a jordan one gotcha yeah those are the throwback 90s Reeboks. Obviously, the pumps were classic. I got this year, I got a pair of the questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, those yeah, are yeah. like, the. I feel like we're one of the most popular. Right. They had the like. Those, they were like the ones. They had the honeycomb yeah, yeah, air yeah. pocket. And totally. I got some black and silver ones that were that are sick. And nice. Yeah, just the, the Iversons. It, it's funny when you wear those too because you're like, they're so clunky. Mm-hmm. There's so much shoe. They're yeah. very comfortable, but I'm like, this Alan Iverson one of these. Yeah, like right. the, one of the most like maneuverable point guards yeah. of all time. Yeah. Like the, the classic ankle breaker Iverson, you know. Yep. And and his shoes were like couldn't stop him. Yeah, super clunky and yeah. It's crazy these days. Like basketball shoes, like it makes me feel like an old man. I'm like, what are they wearing? The, the yeah. Neon pink. What are these and, stupid yeah, shoes are doing now. Like, Get off my lawn. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, the, uh, I've come around to like the bright colors. I think a little bit. I me too. I got these, uh, the Donovan Mitchells. Oh yeah. Which it was like kind of like orange or pink or something. Or I got the Crayola. Oh, okay. It was like a, a partnership with Crayola. Wow. And they were like neon yellow. Oh yeah. Okay. I hated the color, but I went to Shoe Pavilion uh, 
and I tried on like 12 different pairs of basketball shoes because oh, nice. I'm at, I'm at the age now where it's like my ankles are trash mm-hmm. and I need to just spend the money and get like, I'm not going to the bargain bin anymore. Like if I want to yeah. play basketball, I have to invest it's some, worth some, it. some ankle support. Exactly. I have my, I have tops. the Steph Curry braces and oh nice. so I tried on like every shoe in the store and the, the salespeople were so nice and the Donovan Mitchells were like the most comfortable, really, really great shoes. Nice. Um, and they were neon yellow. And I was like, ah, oh, I hate the color, but I went for the comfort over trying overlook. something new. Yeah. And yeah. I show up at the court and Throw all a little color the, in your life. Yeah, dude. All the young, the, the homies were like, dude, those shoes are sick. That color yeah. is so And I was yeah, like, what? Course. I'm like, it was a big like surprise. Like the cool to me. old man. Yeah. Yeah. They were all like, <laughs> I got my like shoes, props. youngins. I yeah. got props for the, you know, the Crayola ones. and That's awesome. Uh, they wore out super fast. I think they were, like, mostly meant for hardwood. I was playing on concrete. But I see you ball a lot then, huh? I'm trying to. I'm trying to yeah. extend the career, you know. It's it's uh, it's less of a right than a privilege at this point. Right. You know, I got I to gotta warm up. I got to stretch. Oh, I never do that. My ankles always hurt. But uh, I got the sauna at the house, and I've been doing the oh, cold nice. plunge. Which go. really helps a lot. And, uh, you know, it's hard being a little guy. I was always like the quickest dude on the court. Right. And I've had to change my Menace. game up and like, I'm not the quickest guy anymore. Right. And I, so now I have to like, it's not all driving to the hole. I'm, I've had to develop a mid range in the last couple of years. Yeah. And do a little fadeaway, a little dude, uh, KD action. I'm more of a Mo Buckets. You okay. Know? Mo <laughs> Buckets. Yeah. I'm the king of the long range too. Maurice. You know? Oh, I missed him. I got his jersey. That's that was one of my first ones. I you got, got a you got a most spades. I got a most spades. I love dude. it. Uh, he was great. He was great. I had with the he big old awesome. mole on the head on the head. Yeah. You know, beep beep. He was. It's I, a little antenna. I loved. You know, my favorite thing with Mo buckets was he would he'd set like a dirty pick or there'd be some kind of questionable thing under the hoop. Yeah. And you just see the most like shady smile on his face yeah. at the end of the play. Shady yeah, grin. Cut to him and he was just like, Oh yeah, you did him dirty there. Mark. Yeah. But, uh, him and boogie cousins, they were, yeah. they were good. That's right. They were fun to watch and have I, on the team. I saw a video recently of him in, uh, what was it? Like Venezuela. Okay. I don't or, know. uh, no, was it Cuba? He was playing in like South America League or Central American League, and they were just like no spades, no or boogie, boogie, yeah, yeah. And they're like boogie, boogie, <laughs> boogie, 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 boogie. Like, fast Spanish, and like that's awesome. Everyone's cheering him on, and nice. Um, yeah. yeah, having him with Draymond, that's like almost too too, too many, much drama, uh, too much drama, too many technicals. That's right, yeah, too many T's. That's a good podcast name for them. Yeah. Too many teas with yeah. do you have you listened to Draymond's podcast at all? A little bit. I like uh also like was it all the smoke? The Matt Barnes and um Stevenson. Um That's not podcast. JJ Reddick's podcast, right? No, no. It's uh Matt Barnes and um Stevenson who were on the Warriors. Okay. Um I think it's called All the Smoke. I feel like Draymond's on that a lot too, but they—you uh, should check that out. It's good. Well, yeah, I'll have to peep that one. They had Don Nelson on it. Or I think it was a Don Nelson interview, and they're like, "What are you doing these days?" And he's like, 
oh, I'm over in Hawaii. I'm smoking a lot of pot. <laughs> it was like they all just started erupting in laughter. And I oh, do. I lost it. I thought that was hilarious. His hair is all long and shit. Nice. He's got like wooden beads, like Full necklaces. Yeah, that's hilarious. So funny, dude. That's that was kind of my experience uh, earlier this year. I got to go to Bill Walton's house. Oh, nice. Because yeah. uh, my uncle, you know, played in the league with him back in the day. Yeah. They were on the Bruins on that UCLA squad. Yeah. My, my uncle's the point guard on that Fab Five team. Oh, what? That's crazy. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was like, uh, I always grew up knowing that he was in the league. And then I remember one night I was watching like a documentary on it. And there's, uh-huh. there's his picture right there. Oh, shit. Uh, unfortunately, uncle by marriage, I didn't get any of those, those right. league genetics. But... <laughs> Uh, That'd be nice. But it, he he passed away uh, earlier <laughs> this year, and um, so the service was at Bill Walton's house. So I got wow. to fly down to San Diego and Crazy. go there. And um, what was it? It was him and Jamal Wilkes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they both spoke, and it was just like so cool hearing these two legends. Of course. Talk about like they were both like yeah like Greg was the reason we're in the like he was the guy he was wow. giving us all the feeds. Wow. Uh, apparently the the story goes you know Bill Walton used to have these pickup games at his house, and uh, apparently Larry Bird every time he came he was like I want Greg on my team like that really? was like his like oh, shit. prereq was like I want Greg on my team and uh, wow that's crazy and I you know I got to meet them both and and. Um, I talked to yeah to Jamal Wilkes and was like, just thanked him like yeah it's really cool I've never heard that story and yeah. he was like the coolest dude he was just like oh awesome he was like super pumped that I was pumped yeah that's awesome um, and then Jamal you know Wilkes Bill Walton's house is like a combination of like Grateful Dead paraphernalia yeah and like NBA memorabilia. Oh yeah, I was um when I worked at Sweetwater I had to like walk him to his car because he would play with Bob Weir a lot. He had like he brings his like big drums. Nice. Yeah, into, like, I saw percussion. those in the living room. Yeah. He's yeah. Like... And he would uh go sit in with like whoever whatever outfit Bob Weir was doing at Sweetwater. And I'd have to walk around with him and his lovely wife, um with and I'd have to bring this big like chair stool thing because mm-hmm. his knees are really shot. Um, and I'd basically have to like post up and wait for him to want to like park and just put it right behind him and nice. then walk him to his car. He was a super sweet guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's he great. would just smoke weed and laugh about random shit all day and super mellow guy. Yeah. He's super funny. His, his uh, son did a good job uh, as our interim coach for a yeah, while. Luke Kerr was having his back surgery. Totally. Luke, no, he had Luke a Walton. great. Yeah. Did he have like a 22 game win streak or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Crushing it. And I think Kerr was, you know, from the uh, hospital bed was kind of giving him, you know, some direction. But he did a great job texting. on court. And, yeah. He was a good interim coach. He, it's, it's, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, Luke Walton looks a lot like Bob Myers. Yeah. Like, I was I thinking about that the other day. Like, they kind of could true. be the same guy if you swap their hair, you know? Yeah. Um, I was like, I was like, is Bob Myers a secret? Walton, yeah, you know, right. He's someone too. I hope we get back. You know. Yeah, I was. I was wondering. I was going to talk about that too. If he's going to stay or go, but he's been playing it close to the chest. Right, right. 
I think they just did an interview and someone else was standing in for him. He didn't even go to the really or some meeting or something, but I don't know, that could mean nothing at all. But um yeah, I I love what he's done. Obviously, he's we have four rings. <laughs> yeah. He's responsible for at least what three of those, but yeah. He, I mean his big the big accomplishment I think or the biggest one I think was the whole his ability to turn Katie leaving into Wiggins. Right. Right. Oh, okay. For, yeah, you know, yeah. First negotiated the sign and trade that allowed us to bring in D'Lo. Right. And then when that didn't work out, turning that into Wiggins. Yeah. I think that was also okay, where we got right. like one of our picks as well. Right. Right. And um, so, you know, some masterful. Yeah. Masterful work. You ever I see know. that movie Draft Day? Costner. Oh, Kevin Costner. I did see that. Yeah. That That's a, a nice movie. little movie. You know? Yeah. 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 It's a kind of similar thing, right? Where it, he like is able to kind of maneuver the whole right. draft so that they end up with like just sharking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Super wild. Yeah, I yeah. hope he sticks around. He did a yeah. great job. It'd be tough to see him going anywhere else. Totally. I, I feel like there was like this big, that the moment that I, that really rang true with, with him this year was. There was that one game where I think Draymond got a tech, mm-hmm. goes to the bench, and then he like comes down and just talks to him. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, like this is also what he does. Yeah. You know, like he's the Draymond whisperer. Right, know? right. Not not a lot of guys calm can, him down. Yeah, exactly. Like chill him out a little bit. Sometimes Kerr can't even do that, you know. And yeah. To see. Well, they'd butt heads definitely because. It's funny because in the beginning of Kerr's career, he was just so mellow and like, you know, just kind of an easy going. And then this, as the seasons built, you just kind of get more and more angry on the sidelines. The red face. Snapping fucking boards and yeah. I, I mean, I always want to see more. I feel like sometimes, of like, course, sometimes I'm you yelling need that and I shit. see him all mild mannered. I'm like, man, I want to see sometimes you, like, you need that. make some yeah. clipboards. Bro. Yeah, man. Get in their face. Fiery Kerr. Get you know? some technicals, you know. Or even, I mean, he's so cool with the players, and I get it. Like, I think right. that's part of why this like team works so well. But sometimes I'm like, can't you just cuss out Jordan yeah, Poole for yeah. me just once? Come on, man. Like, Let's give him a spanking, man. Yeah, exactly. Send yeah. him to the corner, you know. <laughs> I think Jordan Poole, you know, what I would like to see, they need to send him on, like, a, a vision quest with, like, Moses Moody and GP2. It's my ayahuasca. Yeah, exactly. Like, go, like, just hit reset. Learn who you are. Exactly. Find yourself. Figure it out, you know. Come back, you know, centered and, you know, what you know, realize. Because with Poole, it's like, I think if he was able to lock in and put the ego aside... And like, be satisfied with being the six, just be the best six man. Yeah. In two years, you're gonna be the guy. He's yeah. gonna be the the one. Exactly. Know? Just patience and yeah, patience and understanding and yeah, do like some Sean Livingston stuff. But even I mean, he's no nothing against Sean Livingston, but it could definitely be more more than that. More Might effective have a higher than him. Ceiling. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just and also just I mean, look his at his handles where you, and the way he was. I mean, he was totally. hitting some bombs too, like some deep ass threes, and he's got that potential. We just need to hone in and just get him to, you know, learn the the role playing part of the game more. It's kind of like the guy who just solos the whole time. 
Yeah. You know, Noodles you, around and yeah. You're like, do you play less and say more? Yeah, you know, exactly. Less is more. Say less and mean more. You right. Know, like, play a little rhythm guitar. You know? yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you play with the band. Develop a pocket. You exactly. Know? Like, just exactly. keep it in the pocket. And, of course. You know, maybe Jordan Poole needs to go learn some bass, you know? Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> a little foundation, <laughs> yeah, a little low end. Totally. Just hold it down. Totally. And just, you know, yeah, come back. Absolutely. Then you'll get turnovers, some solos. No turnovers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stop throwing the ball away. Yeah, so maybe that's the maybe that's the message of this episode is like Jordan Poole, it's time to take up the bass, you know? <laughs> we'll have him come over here and Learn have Max role. give him some bass lessons. There you go. Show him the fuck out. <laughs> if he can fit, you know, it's, I always yeah. forget how tall those guys are, you know? He looks so he's small on that, the court. But... He's like 6'3", I think. Yeah. He's like Steph's height. Yeah, which I which mean, is still two still, inches, three inches taller yeah, than me or whatever. Still, they're still – even Steph, like you see him on the court and he looks small and then you see him next to a reporter and he's like yeah. hulking. He's still tall, way taller than us. You know, he still would yeah. be a large man in any common circles. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I had that thought, this thought like a year or two ago, but just like how pro sports has been like – it's like this concentration of giants. Mm-hmm. Like these are people that like 300 years ago would be like yeah that one dude in the county the giant you yeah know? yeah like, yeah I was thinking about that recently actually too that's funny you brought that up and just like huge like huge DNA. outlier human beings and yeah. we've like focused them into this one yeah location yeah totally you know you think about like if you're a seven foot tall dude. What are the chances that you get to be a pro? Yeah. You know, like, it seems like it's pretty high. What else are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Because a lot of those guys, it's like they don't really do much. Like, they it's not a lot of skill. You're not tending involved. bar. Yeah. You're not going to be a they waiter. They can't shoot, yeah. you know. You just have to sit there and <laughs> uh-huh. just, just lay the ball in there. It's totally. easy. I remember. Uh, not a lot of skill involved. When I was down in. Santa Cruz mm-hmm. at Cabrillo. Yeah, taking some with Ray Brown. Ray Brown, yeah, Class, that's dude, right. The man, dude. Yeah. Nothing but balloon, below the balloon juice. You know? <laughs> Diminish city, diminished city. Yeah. Always yelled at. One of my favorite lines, he was like, you don't put harmony notes on top of the melody. That's country. <laughs> now you're playing definitely, country. It definitely sounds like Ray Brown. Oh, my God. <laughs> And uh, he was amazing. He, he was so good, though. I, he really was able to put some some things into like context musically that I would, you know, was struggling with, like just understanding oh, yeah. concepts and his ability to communicate. I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, me too. I would have uh, several times. I went to his office and was like, "Can you uh, get me through this? I, I need to, you know." Did you take his arranging class? I didn't take his arranging class. I mostly did jazz improv. Um, no, I wish I took his arranging class. I could use a brush up on that a yeah. little better. Yeah, but I did. I did the beginning composition, and then I think I did. I did the jazz arranging class in the next semester. That's cool. And that one was like, it was almost like taking psychedelics. Like it just changed my perspective on yeah on everything. And nice. We did like I think we did like two arrangements over the semester one was like for five parts and then one was for seven parts oh nice and he brought in his band 
and he had them play all of our pieces that we had really? like we had to like write out the charts mm-hmm. and like he you know he 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 gave us the option of using the software but i was like i'm going to do it like do it by old hand, school old yeah school, exactly course. i think i spent like 200 hours or something on my on, at least it was a satin doll arrangement and yeah satin and we get in there and he's like, you know, he tells the band, he's like, you got to play it exactly how it's written. Right. All the wrong notes. Yeah. They're doing the Lord's work coming in here. As band, <laughs> right. And so, because he wanted us all to hear, like, of course, if you put it, if you forget to put a, this is what happens when you mess up. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I made the mistake cause I was stayed up. I pulled an all nighter finishing. I forgot to transpose the alto trumpet or alto sax. So my melody line was. Uh, so you were like a third or fourth off or something. It was, it was. It needed to be transposed like an octave. So it. Did, oh, okay. So the guy played it all in the low octave, mm-hmm. which meant some of the notes were out of range. Yeah. And I could have just written like play up an octave, but I forgot. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> it was pretty out there, man. When I played it. It was like all harmony. But uh, sorry, right, you learn. I learned. And uh, learning, learning stuff. And it was just really cool. Like it, I never really thought of how much arrangement is like such a creative thing and how much you can change the feel of a song. Oh, of course. You know, by doing that. Yeah. We, when we do arrange, I mean, I, we kind of do it on the fly here. Like I never really make charts, at least for monophonics. Okay. Um, I've done some stuff for other projects, but. Yeah, we just kind of do it, um, you know, off my head. Like, I'll come up with some ideas. Alex will come up with some ideas. Kelly will come up with ideas, too. You know, we all just kind of mesh together and whatever works the best for the song, you know, whatever fits. And it's always better to have, you know, more than one brain going at Mm -hmm. the same time, obviously, too. So, Yeah, I'm always impressed by the, like, like, horn guys. Can just go and huddle up and be like, yeah, I'm on the third. Yeah, yeah. And then like, all right, we're good. And then suddenly like, oh shit, like you guys. Yeah, no, oh, it's fun. I feel like that's a pretty cool. Especially if you like, because me and Alex have been playing with each other since college, so we we know each other's little things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pretty damn well at this point. So, are there certain intervals that you guys like favor that you like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it all, you know, every song's different, yeah. obviously, and. Um, but yeah, I'll usually take the lead. I mean, that's kind of the classic, you know, trumpet plays lead and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll do harmonies and stuff, but we both still come up with, you know, the, the lead melody lines and, and harmonies and stuff ourselves and just work off each other's heads and get whatever we can, the best thing we can out of it. Do you like to, uh, do you articulate your melodies on the piano or do you? Just to kind of do it on the whole. I end. have very rarely. I I actually do that more with string arrangement okay. stuff, um, just to help me hear the harmonies and stuff, and uh, stacking the voicings and stuff. But you now the horns, we just kind of do it with our horns on the fly, or we'll sing it to each other or something. If you're gonna save your chops if you're gonna have a long session or whatever. Right. Yeah. How's that armature feeling all these years later? Ambusher. 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 I always say it wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, no, it's fun. Um, yeah, you just got to practice a lot. 
to especially as a brass player mm-hmm. to like even stay at the same level you have to practice a lot and then get alone you know if you want to further your craft you got to put in a lot of work um just for your embouchure just mm-hmm. to keep these things solid and strong especially if you want to play those high notes so i grew up on that tower of power vibe so you want to come strong lips dude. strong man <laughs> strong high fucking notes yeah yeah that was a good i remember it one day ray brown we we're in the we we're in the middle of a class and he's like yeah so pretty much uh you know if if you guys are considering trumpet you know if you've already been doing it then great <laughs> pursue it but if you've never played trumpet before, let me just save you a lifetime of pain and just choose another instrument. Pick something else, man. That sounds cause... like him. I swear to God, he had that same speech in one of my classes, yeah. too. Yeah, it was just like, well, because he had that. It's like... a heartbreaking instrument yeah, yeah. or something like yeah, that. Something I think he would like say. That. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's such a funny character. And yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's still teaching or not, but. I think he was like very minimally, but because I have a friend, um, my friend Tom Wing, and I went through the jazz program with, um, as a bass player, he was teach, helping teach there as like an assistant or something, I think, and told me that he's close, he's always been close to retirement ever since I was there, mm-hmm. which was like oh two, oh three, oh five, I think. And he was always kind of bitching about <laughs> getting close to retiring and never. I mean, he's one of those guys that has the love for teaching, I think. And totally. Um, it's hard to kind of walk away from, obviously. But um, I think he still is a little active with Cabrillo. And I don't know if he does UC Santa Cruz anymore. I think he might just be at the junior college. Can't stay away. Yeah. Well, Ryan, dude. I appreciate your time. And Absolutely, thanks bro. Thanks for coming on, man. It's yeah, fun man. having you on. Thanks here, for man. having me. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Um, before we go, is how do, how can people connect with you, find you? What's oh, the best uh, way for people to do that? The social media um, aspect of things. Uh, what is it? Ryan Scott Music, I think, for Instagram. Okay. At Ryan Scott Music. Um, and Ryan Scott on Facebook. Um, obviously, monophonics.com. All of our uh, upcoming shows and new news for music. Um, and I think Monophonics, I think it's just at Monophonics for Instagram. You guys have uh, any releases band. coming up or anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, we got something with uh, Kendra Morris uh, with Coal Mine Records. Most of our stuff is with Coal Mine, um, other than the Mike James Kirkland album with Monophonics. That'll be out on Ubiquity Records. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Is that, is there a date yet for the Kendra Morris release? Or? I don't think we have a date yet, but it'll probably be in the next two or three months. I think tops. Cool. Mike James Kirkland, I think will be around about the same, maybe in the next two to three months. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. A lot well, of you, new stuff's in the works. Yeah. You guys can check them out on, uh, on Instagram at monophonics and see when those things come out and. Hell yeah, bro. Well, dude, Absolutely. thanks for coming on. Thanks for Good having stuff. me. Thank you guys all out there for tuning in. <laughs> Peace. Hell yeah, dude. Nice.